0: Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, I'm Pastor Manuel Figueroa and uh, tonight we are going to close out our study in the book of Ephesians. Amen. And, uh, and, and as we place our focus on the last chapter of Ephesians, which is chapter six. Amen. So um, if you've been following along, okay, if you've been following along with us through this awesome letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, To the Ephesians, you will remember that in chapter 1, we learned about uh, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, you know, uh, that in Christ we have uh, redemption through his blood, amen, the forgiveness of our sins and uh, in accordance with, uh, with the riches of God's grace. Amen. And then we move on to chapter two, and in chapter two we learn that we are no longer dead, right? We 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 learn that we were once dead and 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 walking around like zombies, right? But now we are alive in Christ, and how now we we Gentiles along with the Jews, right? We are now reconciled uh, through Christ. Amen. So then we go into chapter three. Now chapter three we learn uh, the great mystery. Um, that the Gentiles, right, we Gentiles are joint heirs uh, with Israel, right, being members of one body and sharers together in the promises in Christ Jesus. And then we move into chapter four. and chapter four, we learned about the unity, the, the maturity, right, in the body of Christ, and how uh, uh, we are given instructions for Christian living. And chapter five, uh, Paul continues his instructions, for a Christian living and moves closer, right? He moves closer to home, uh, this time giving instructions for Christian households, right? With a comparison uh, on the relationships between husband and wife and the relationship between Christ and the church. Amen. So, so we see here in the book of Ephesians that, that Paul is really challenging our faith in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if our faith in Christ is real, then it will it will usually prove itself at home. Right in our in our in our relationships with those who know us best, amen. So now we find ourselves here in chapter six, right? Uh, so if you can, please open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six, amen. And before we dive into scripture, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, <clears throat> uh, start us off with a with a with a little prayer, amen. So uh, uh, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six, amen. Praise the Lord. Father God, we just thank you, Father, for tonight. We're so thankful, Lord God, for uh, uh, the opportunity, Father, that you give us to come together. Uh, We're so thankful for your word, Heavenly Father. We're so thankful, Lord God, that your word is truth and that we have the free access here in your word, Father. Lord, we know that you have prepared something for us tonight. And we ask, Lord God, that you would open our minds, that you would open our hearts, Heavenly Father, to understand, Father, what it is that, that you have brought us tonight. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, um, share this, Heavenly Father, uh, with clarity, with understanding, Heavenly Father, and with power, Lord. So, Father, I decrease right now so that you may increase, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to get started, uh, starting in verse 1. Verse 1 of chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may uh, enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Slaves, verse 5, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free." Verse 9, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with them. Amen. So we see here that Paul changes his focus, right? If you were if you were here last week and you were tuning in on, on the powerful message that Pastor Josh preached, he was talking about uh, the relationship between husband and wife, right? So he changes his focus from husband and wife in chapter 5 to now focusing on the relationship between children and parents and the relationship also between slave and master, okay? So children and parents have a, a, a responsibility to each other. And the fact that Paul took time, right, to directly address those who were regarded, right, uh, by some as the lower, right, or the less important members of society, meaning the wives and meaning the children and the slaves, this shows that he raised them to a level of importance, right, and responsibility in the body of Christ, okay? So Paul makes it clear that all Christians, somebody say all Christians, that doesn't matter who you are. You could be mother, father, child, a uh, master, slave, employer, employee. He's saying all Christians are responsible in their positions, right? In whatever position that we have in life right now, we have a, 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 a responsibility, right? We are responsible in those in, in those uh, positions, living as Christ would have us to live. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because it says here in verse, in verse one, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Wow. So we see here that the saga of a nation, okay, is the saga of its families magnified. I mean, I don't know if, if you noticed, but our culture right now is reaping the devastation of family disintegration, right? So we need the timely words of Paul right now, right? His, his timeless words, man, that, 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 that he has for children and parents, okay? And so here he's telling us that children play their role also in the kingdom of God. They are to obey and they are to honor their parents. So I'm speaking to everyone right now, every child right now that's watching, every young person that's watching right now, you have a responsibility to honor, to obey, and honor your parents, okay? It is something that Christ is, is telling us that we ought to do, okay? It says that, that, that you are to obey and honor your parents, okay? That means in action and in attitude. Action is obedience. Attitude is honor, Amen. And they, and, and they are to submit to their parents. Each child is to submit to their parents, right? To the authority because their obedience is to the Lord, right? It's in the Lord. So in other words, children, okay, are to respond to parents out of their response to God because parents are to lead them in the ways of God. Amen? We parents are responsible in 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 leading our kids to God and teaching them the ways of the Lord. If we want our kids to respond to us as parents in the right way to obey us and to honor us, then we gotta teach them the ways of the Lord. Amen. So Paul says that doing that is right. He says that it reflects um, um, the, the 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 character of God, the righteous character of God. Right? So the only time that kids are not to obey their parents is if, is if we parents end up teaching our kids that are contrary to what the Word of God says. Meaning, meaning that, 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 that if, we, if, we, if we tell them, you know, uh, uh, not, not to do the things, you know, that the Word of God says, if we teach anything contrary to the Word of God, right? So unless parents contradict God, children are to obey them. Amen. But not only that. Children must honor their parents. In other words, kids, you guys got to show respect, holding your parents in high regard. Amen? Now, I'm going to speak right now to adult children, okay? When adult children leave the home and are no longer dependent, no longer, that's what I'm talking about, no longer dependent on your parents for, for provision or protection, then you're not obligated to obey them, right? Because you're on your own. But now, if, if, you're, if you're one that's living on your own, and you're still asking your parents for money for this, and you're still asking for help for this, well, then you're really not on your own because you're now depending on your parents. So now you are required to obey them. Amen? But whether you are uh, on your own or, 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 or with your parents, there's one thing, right, that we can never outgrow. Kids, you can never outgrow the requirement to honor your mother and father. That could never, never, ever be outgrown, right? Because this is the first commandment with a promise, amen. If if children want things to go well, okay, for them and they want to live a long life, now here's the thing: I'm not talking about you know an additional hundred years given to them or an additional twenty-five years. That's not what I'm talking about. Is it possible? Sure, but this isn't what it's talking about. What it's talking about, why, what it's talking about here, is that. That if 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 you want things to go well with you, okay, if you want thing if you want a, a long life, meaning the 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 days that God has given you to live here on this earth, if you want them to be a blessing, if you want them to be full, you know, then this is crucial, amen. This is absolutely critical that 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 kids respond properly to the parents, right? However many years that the Lord gives you. You will experience the blessings of God if you honor your mother and your father. Amen? Let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now Paul is turning to the fathers. So see, none of us escape it. Amen? None of us escape it. But he turns to the father because the father is the head. Right? He's the leader of the family. The father has the primary responsibility for raising his kids, right? Of course, you know, mothers are not let off the hook either. They're not excluded from the responsibility, but children are called to obey both, amen? Both mother and father. So he's talking to both, but with the emphasis on the father, right? Because the father has ultimate responsibility. You see, the families in Paul's day, the father was the one that had full legal rights over his children. And often ran the household with rigid control, right? In the Jewish families, the father were the ones that were responsible for the education of the children. So, Paul, right here, he doesn't have to establish the father's authority, right? What he's trying to do here, his aim was to set the limits on harsh treatment, okay? Parenting is not easy, right? I mean, kids don't come with a manual. So, parenting is not easy. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of a lot of love and patience to raise, you know, a uh, uh, children in a in a, in a loving, Christ honoring manner, amen. But let me tell you, mom and dad, frustration and anger should never be the cause for discipline. Never. You don't ever want to discipline your kids when you're angry, amen. Because parents can remove that exasperating effect of of of, of, of their discipline by avoiding. Nagging and labeling and, 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 and criticizing or, or even dominating. So Paul is telling us here, do not provoke your children to, 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 to resenting you. You know what I mean? Don't make them resent you by us being all over them. Amen. Paul wrote specifically to fathers because in that culture, in that culture, fathers were, were the absolute head of the home. With complete control and authority. So for Paul to say that they needed to treat their kids, their children as human beings and consider them, consider their feelings, uh, 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 was revolutionary, right? So we see here that Christ, you know, in chapter five, he changed the way husbands and wives are to relate with, with one another, right? He changed that way. And so now we see here as he continues on into chapter six, right? That, that, that he's changing the way along with parents and children, how we relate. So he says, parents, man, you, are, you ought not provoke your children, All right? This phrase is, is uh, it, 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 it refers to a pattern, a pattern of, of treatment that builds up resentment in a child, right? Parents are to avoid causing their children to um, brood with anger, you know what I mean? So when children are provoked to wrath, they may even act this anger out, right? In open hostility, right? First it begins, you know, the open hostility toward the parents. And then that ends up bleeding out into society. And before you know it, they're, they're taking that same wrath, that same anger toward authority figures, right? How many of us parents may like to see our kids get in trouble with authorities? I don't. You know what I mean? So, so let's, not, let's not provoke them to anger. So the question is, how is it that we parents provoke our kids to wrath, right? How do we provoke our kids to anger? Well, there there, there, there are many examples of that, okay? I can go on and on with so many examples, but you know what? I'm only going to name a few. And I'll be honest, man. Some of these things, man, I did. Some of these things I've seen other parents do, right? But So I'm going to name a few. Number one. How about us parents being overprotective? I know I've been overprotective with my kids, but being overprotective, right? It's 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 a bad thing to 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 be overprotective, right? Because often parents will refuse to allow their kids to grow up, right? Making decisions that that equal their age and their maturity. People, uh, um, young people resent being treated like 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 they're like they are more immature. Than they actually are. You know what I mean? Treating 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 our young adult kids as kids, as as little as little kids. You know what I mean? That's wrong. Another one is is also, you know, when parents play favorites with their kids, right? You compare one child to another, that's always the wrong thing to do, too. I mean, we have a couple of examples in the Word of God, right? Look at the problems that was caused between between the, the lives of Isaac and Ishmael. Look at the problems that were caused between Jacob and Esau, right? They were playing favorites. You know what I mean. And so, so the problem that began with back then is still playing out today. We see that you know happening in the Middle East, right? All as a result of, of favoritism. Amen. So how about how about another one? Unrealistic expectations, right? Unrealistic expectations. Children who who are always under pressure to to achieve more, to achieve bigger things and greater things, right? They can become resentful. Mom and dad, let your children be children. Remember that not every child is a straight-A student, right? Not every child is an athlete. Not every child is, is is a cheerleader or a model, right? Let them be who God designed them to be, amen? And remember, parents, mom and dad, Remember that you should never, ever try to relive your own childhood through your kids. Amen? Okay, here's another one. How about constant discouragement? I've seen parents constantly discouraging their kids, right? Constantly criticizing, constantly nagging, right? And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. No child, no child shall ever hear the words, you are no good. No child should ever hear that. No child should ever hear you tell them that you will never amount to anything. That's the worst thing that we could ever do, right? If anything, what we should do is seek to find an area where, where they excel, right? And find ways to complement them in their achievements, amen? Children, children need approval, amen? They need approval. They need encouragement. They need, they need all that far more than, than, than criticism and correction, right? A young person... Uh, uh, who who, who, is, who is constantly criticized may develop you know that type of an attitude that says well what's the use i'm nothing but a failure anyway right i mean that's all the uh, that's all of, uh, a result of us of us constantly you know speaking negative things into their lives and that's wrong if, uh, if all a parent does is tear them down then let me tell you something mom and dad they're going to live up to that expectation Amen. And we've got no one to blame but ourselves. So let's go ahead and make the change. All right. Let's go ahead and build them up. Amen. Let's do that. Let's not tear them down. Let's, 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 let's praise them in their strengths and let's help them in their weaknesses. Right. Let's build them up. Let's not tear them down. Amen. Another one is, is, is labeling a child a nuisance. Right. Meaning a a child should never be made to feel that they're in the way. You know what I mean? They should never feel that. They should feel loved. They should, they should, they should feel secure, right, in, 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 in the family unit. They should feel like they're part of the home and that the parents are happy, that we're happy and that we're thankful to have our kids, amen? How many of you parents are thankful that you have your kids? I know I am. I'm thankful that I have my beautiful children. I love them, amen? And so a child feels that. A child feels unloved and unwanted, okay? when when we do that. You know what I mean? And so if we do that, that child is going to end up headed for trouble later in life. He's never going to feel accepted. Amen? Let's keep going. Another one. How about trying to mature our kids too quickly? Often parents expect their child to be more mature than what they are, right? Mom, dad, right? It's okay for your kids to be kids. It's okay for your children to be children. Now, I know that there are limits. Okay? I know that there are limits. But they should never expect to act like 25 when they're only 9 years old. You know what I mean? Because maybe the reverse might happen. When they're 25 years old, they probably act like they're 9 years old. You know what I mean? So let's, let's let them act their age. Okay? Another one is Love. Love should never be used as a weapon, meaning as a reward or as a punishment. It should never be used that way, right? That means that, you know, when, when we love our children when they're good, and then we, would, we withdraw our love when they're bad. That's wrong, right? That's wrong. I mean, if, if, if we make them feel unloved when they do wrong, it's wrong. Because that's totally the opposite of what God does with us. How many of us have done wrong? I do wrong every single day every day I mess up. You know what I mean? And because I mess up, God does not change His love for me. And God does not change His love for you. If you mess up, it doesn't change how God feels about you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves me unconditionally. Amen? And because we we have that unconditional love from, from our Heavenly Father, our children should experience the same unconditional love by their godly parents. Amen? Some of them will say amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, I can go on with a whole lot more, but I'm just going to leave with one more, and then we'll continue on, okay? How about physical and verbal abuse? Parents, oftentimes we overreact to the things that our children do and carry their punishment too far. Sometimes we go a little bit too far, parents, okay? Now, I believe in spanking. Yeah, I do. I grew up that way, and I believe it. I believe it's effective, but I believe that no child should ever be disciplined or spanked in anger. Never wanna do that in anger. Why? Because we tend to take it overboard and to go too far. We don't wanna do that, amen? There's no point in using um, a cannon man to kill a mosquito, right? There's no point in doing that. And by the same token, no child should ever have to be berated or belittled by, by, by a, a verbally abusive parent. I've seen parents, men, that have talked to their kids like, a, like, like they're truck drivers or like they're sailors, you know what I mean? I mean, I've I've seen, I've seen them belittle kids in front of people. I mean, and I'm like, oh my goodness, man, we shouldn't do that. Amen. These are times when, 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 when parents, man, say bad things, man, you know, and they're cruel to their kids, right? Things that, things that they say to kids that they would never say to someone else were wrong Mom and dad, we are wrong when we do that. We are wrong when we attack our kids that way, whether it be either physically or verbally. Amen? When we do, we're causing them to be resentful and angry. Amen? So let's make the change. Amen? Let's make the change. Let's love our kids. Amen? Let's love our kids. If we want our kids to to obey us and to honor us as parents, well, let's, let's, let's love them unconditionally. Amen, let's love them the way God loves us. Amen unconditionally. Praise the Lord. Let's go to verse 5. Verse 5 it says, "Slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Wow, obey them not only with with not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he uh, who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism uh, with him. So Paul continues with the commands for slaves and masters now okay now when 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 god created adam okay he gave him a job and what was his job his job was to was to was to take care of the garden was to watch the garden right so we see here that the garden or should I say uh, the work came before the fall okay so now when adam sinned okay work along with a lot of other things became corrupted now one corruption of work is slavery, okay? Now, most of what we know of slavery, especially uh, American antebellum slavery, which is pre-Civil War, it's condemned in the Bible, right? In, 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 in Exodus chapter one, it tells us that 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 uh, uh, slaves were not were not to be kidnapped, right? People were not human beings were not to be kidnapped or sold. Slaves were not to be abused, okay? In Deuteronomy, it says that the fugitive slaves were not to be returned to their masters. Okay? But Paul brings this up because they were living in a Roman culture that was infused with an unrighteous institution of slavery. So Paul writes to tell the church how to live, okay, with a heavenly perspective. We can apply Paul's principles here to our own workplaces. Why? Because God wants to be an integral part of our daily 95. Amen? So for for Christian employees and employers to access um, um. their heavenly blessings, they must bring heavenly perspective, right, to bear on the job. Amen? So to slaves, he says, obey your human masters, okay? Serve as to the Lord. Ultimately, each of us, right, each of us work for the Lord in all that we do. So to serve Christ in your job, to serve Christ in my job, right, obey your employer as long as he doesn't ask you to disobey the lord amen furthermore okay we must work uh uh, respectfully okay in other words with fear and trembling we must work sincerely right Out out of out of the sincerity of our hearts okay and we must work with a good attitude don't work only while being watched come on guys let's not be hypocrites you know what I mean? Let's not be the one that that slacks off. You know, when the boss ain't looking, and then when the boss is looking, all of a sudden, man, you're you're like the, the 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 employee of the month. No, let's not do that because God is the one that's watching us. Amen. God is the one that's watching us. So let's 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 have a good attitude when we go to work. Amen. And 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 even if our boss doesn't appreciate us, even if our boss doesn't appreciate uh, the efforts, or even if our boss treats us unfair. Know this, that your work will never go unnoticed. Why? Because God is watching, right? He's the one that repays, amen? Your work will not be in vain, okay? So what? whatever each one does, okay, he will receive back from the Lord, okay? So we work for an unseen employer, amen? We work for an unseen employer who sees all and will reward us all, right? So we should go with, 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 you know, to work, we should work out of discipline, right? Let's work out of discipline with an attitude that, man, I got to do this. I have to do it. Let's work out of duty, right? With an attitude that says that I, ought, that I ought to do it. Amen? Let's work out of devotion. Amen? With an attitude that I want to do it. Amen? God sees our heart. Amen. So let's give our best. What does the word of God say? Uh, somewhere else, I believe it's it's in Ecclesiastes. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. That means put 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 everything in it. Amen. So then he turns and he says, Masters, treat your slaves the same way. Bosses, you are not off the hook. Why? Because both your master and 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 and, and the boss's master, right? Is in heaven. It's the same master. So even if you're a boss, or if you're under, you are on, you, even if you're a boss, you're under defined authority too. All of us are under authority. So employees may be, may, uh, may be under uh, you in position, but they are equal to you in value. Amen? So you might be the boss, but you know what? They are human beings also. They are valuable just like you are. Okay? So they bear the image of God just like the boss does. So, honor their dignity bosses honor their dignity okay and treat all employees with equity consistency and 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 applying righteous standards to them amen and 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 one thing that we that that bosses should not do also is don't play favoritism okay don't play favoritism because there is no favoritism with God amen the word of God says that we're all servants okay we may serve men here we may we 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 or, or 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 um men might serve us here okay we might be a boss here we might be an employer employee here okay but ultimately all of us are servants of god every moment of our lives is to be in service to his glory right so let's make up our minds uh, today that we will use every opportunity right that we're given in life to faithfully serve the Lord and those around us, amen? Regardless as to where we stand in the in the uh, social economic ladder, right? We're all servants. Let's live life uh, to be servants, right? Let's live that servant life for the glory of God, amen? Praise the Lord. Let's keep going. Verse 10 it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power and in, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle, or our struggle, I mean, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Amen. So after saying so much, okay, after saying so much about how to live in these relationships, right? We talked about, you know, uh, chapter five, you know, uh, husband and wife. Right now we talked about uh, children and parents and also, you know, a slave and master. Okay. After talking about how to live in these relationships, Paul wants to emphasize right here that it's not people. It's not people that are the problem. People are not the ultimate problem. Humanity's true struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Amen. What we call spiritual warfare is the conflict in the spiritual realm, okay, that affects the physical realm. The daily problems that we face, that you and I face, they're rooted there. But more importantly, the resources that we need to fight this battle, they're there too. Remember back in chapter 1 when, when Paul told the Ephesians that, that through Christ, he has given them, he has given us every blessing, right? Every blessing that we need in the heavenly places, which is the spiritual realm. And in chapter 2, he says that the risen Christ, right, is there at God's right hand. And Christians, you and I, okay, are spiritually there with them. It says that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, That's what it says in chapter 2. Okay? So, but the cosmic powers that we're talking about here of this darkness, they're also there in the spiritual realm. So the battles that we Christians face every day is rooted in the schemes of the devil. Right? In his efforts to deceive us. I mean, he's happy when we picture him as a cartoon character wearing a red jumpsuit. Right? With horns and carrying a pitchfork so that we don't take him seriously. Meanwhile, him and his boys, right? Like an opposing football team, his demonic realm starts to watch our fi- our game film, right? They know our history. They know our weak spots. They know our sin patterns. So their goal is to keep us from experiencing God's will for our life. So we then have to fight the spiritual with the spiritual. Our human strength will not work. Amen? There was a little boy one day who was trying to pick up a rock and he said dad it's too heavy he said son you can do it the father said you can do it son the boy strained and he tried but he said dad it's too heavy the father insisted son you can do it he tried again the boy tried and tried and he said dad it's too heavy i can't do it he says the father said one more time he says you're not using all your strength So then the child says, dad, I am, I am, and it's too heavy. Then the father says, son, you are not using all your strength. So so the child got frustrated. He said, dad, why are you continually saying that I'm not using my strength? It's too heavy. And then the father says, I know that you're not using all your strength. Why? Because you have not asked me to help yet. You see, there's more strength available to you, more strength available to me, than what we think we have amen so we got to be strong right not in our might but strong in his might amen our only hope okay to be strengthened by the lord and to put on the full armor of god the cross and the resurrection of christ right is victory amen victory is already won jesus already won the victory the devil has lost. Amen. The devil has. We have to remind ourselves each day. The devil has lost. The only power that he has is what you give him and what I give him. Amen. We are to stand firm in Christ's victory. That's why Paul tells the Ephesians over and over. Stand. In other words, stay in the area where victory has achieved. What has been already achieved under God's uh, 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 armor. Right. Under his covering right? So when we stand under an umbrella, okay, it doesn't stop the rain, but it does stop you from getting wet. So we have to dress for success in this thing called the Christian life church. Why? Because in the evil day, when our number comes up, we are under full frontal attack. Amen. When we are under full frontal satanic attack, we must be wearing the full armor of God. Amen. And Paul right here describes the armor of God. He describes six pieces, okay, of armor that are divided in two categories of, 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 of three. The first three we have with us all the time. But the second three is what we use, right, as needed. So let's take a look at the first three. Verse 14. Verse four, Okay, Says so stand firm, okay? Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He says stand with truth like a belt around your waist. When Paul was describing this this uh, armor of God, he was looking at a Roman soldier as an example. When a Roman soldier went to war, he he tucked in his clothing into his belt, okay? And he fastened it securely for mobility in the battle. Truth church truth is the objective it's the objective standard by which reality is measured god's word is truth amen so to wear truth like a belt is to is to live in authenticity before god since the devil is a liar we must start with truth right we must be ready we must start with truth to be ready for the battle church god's word is truth so without without the working knowledge, okay, without the working knowledge of, 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 of this right here, without the working knowledge of scripture, right, you and I were easy prey for the enemy. When we are girded with the truth, it means that we're walking with the Lord, right? In total commitment. It means that, it means that that, that, that we are we are we are disciplined, amen. We are we are committed and and, and prepared in the day for battle, right? Because we have our hearts set on the Lord. We had our hearts set on total commitment. Amen? We are true. When we are true in our profession and our discipline in our walk, okay? The enemy cannot top us. The enemy cannot mess with us. He cannot defeat us. Why? Because he cannot function in an environment of integrity, right? Because we're living in God's word of truth. Amen? So then he moves on from the belt of truth. Into, into the breastplate of righteousness. He says that we need righteousness like armor on our chest, amen? The breastplate protected the heart, it protected the lungs, it protected the, 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 the liver, it protected the stomach, right? It protected all these areas that you find all right here, okay? And in an age before um, antibiotics and, and advanced surgery techniques, a wound in that part of the body would not only be very painful, okay? But it would be fatal also, so the soldier depended on that breastplate to protect him from injury and death. So we need to remember that our righteousness is not our own. Okay, remember in Second Corinthians five twenty one it says that God imputed Christ's perfect righteousness to us. Amen. So when we so when Satan when Satan accuses us, okay, then we protect our heart. We protect all the vital organs, right? With the truth of our righteous, our righteous standing in Christ, Amen. That 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 is to be reflected by by righteous living based on the truth, Amen. So un, 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 unrighteous, unrighteous acts, right? The unrighteousness it 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 acts like like an open invitation to Satan and his demonic forces to invade our hearts and lives in order to defeat us spiritually. So then he moves also to to the feet. And he says, we also need our feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel. Amen. Roman soldiers wore sandals with cleats built into them to help them have a firm footing. Okay. To, to, To be able to stand their ground under attack. So he didn't have to worry about his feet slipping in the heat of the battle because he was always well grounded. So we, we, we have to be sure of our own of our own salvation right we have to be secure in our salvation we have to be secure in our in our own conversion we have to be secure in the fundamentals of the faith okay we need to know what we believe we need to know why we believe so that so that uh, so that we will be on, on on the sound right the sound foundation when the battle comes to us right when it comes against us and and and, and us having that sure-footed stand it gives us peace in the battles of life amen when well, we know that we're secure right, in, 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 our, in our relationship with the Lord, that we ha- we can have peace whenever the battle comes, because the battle is going to come, amen, but these right here, these sandals that Paul is talking about, it also it also pictures a soldier um, being ready to march in battle, okay, his feet were shot in preparation for service, and that's the same thing with us, right, us being the children of God, okay, putting on the the, the armor of God. We have to be ready. Amen. We have to be ready to to march forward on God's orders, right? On the commander's order. Who's our commander? Jesus. Amen. So regardless of whatever it is that we may be going through, regardless of any external turmoil, let's let the peace of God that results from righteous living confirm that we are operating and moving in God's will. Amen. Let's move on. Uh, Verse 16. Verse 16 says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Wow. The shield of faith. This is something that the soldier needed to carry, right? For extra protection, okay? It was a form of a shield. This image was taken uh, uh, from the Roman shield, a large oblong, right? Oval piece, approximately about four feet high, Two feet wide, made of wood and leather, often with a, with like an iron frame, you know. And sometimes the leather would be soaked in water, okay, to help distinguish the fiery arrows. And now those fiery arrows, they were, they were made of cane, right? And they were they were lit up at the tip, so it was called the 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 the, the flaming arrow or the fiery dart, okay. And it was lighted and then shot to set fire. to the the shields or to cloth tents or whatever it is, okay? And so for us Christians, this shield is faith. That's what Paul is telling us, the shield of faith. This shield is faith. It it means that it's the complete reliance on God, soaked and saturated in the living water of God's word. Faith, it means total dependence on God and willingness to do his will, amen? It's not something that we that we put on for show for others. No, no. It means that 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 we're believing in his promises, even though we don't see those promises materializing yet. Amen. So when the enemy, the ruler of this world, okay, sends his fiery arrows of temptation, when he sends his fiery darts of doubt, when he sends his 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 his, his arrows of 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 wrath and lust and and despair and vengeance and problems and trials into our lives right we can hold up our shield of faith and stop them amen because faith gives us the strength to stand against satan with 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 firm courage amen when we when we use when we when we use that shield of faith right when we're acting in faith it's like activating a divine fire extinguisher amen That shield of faith puts out the fires. Amen? Praise the Lord. Verse 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet. The helmet protected the soldier's head. It protected his mind. It protected the the control center of the body. Helmets were made of leather and brass and sometimes uh, with bronze and iron. So no sword, okay, could pierce a good helmet our spiritual standing in Christ must protect our thinking. Amen. If we don't clearly understand the gospel, that it is God's power for salvation, we will never be able to operate as one whom God promises to deliver us from the power and penalty of sin. Okay. With assurance of salvation, protecting our minds. Okay. How many of us are sure? That we are saved, amen. How many of us can claim that, hey, yeah, I know that I'm saved, right? When we have that, okay, we can stand against the enemy's attacks, right? Because what happens? If we if we if we doubt our relationship with the Lord, it's like a blow to the head, which often means death. Amen. So a person without hope of salvation will be easily defeated by the enemy. So when the enemy, the devil, seeks to devour and destroy God's people. Right? With empty or evil thoughts trying to get us to doubt um, our relationship with them, our salvation. We can trust in the protection of the helmet of salvation. Amen? Our salvation will be accomplished. Amen? For God has promised it. So we are to think God thoughts. Okay? Let's not operate in our own human wisdom. Praise the Lord. And So we see that the last piece of armor that Paul is talking about here is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God this is the only offensive weapon in the ensemble. Okay. The term Paul uses here does not describe a long sword, but something more like a dagger, right? It's intended for hand-to-hand combat. And it's one of Rome's greatest uh, military innovations, right? The Roman army back then was called the short swords because of its, its, its uh, use of the dagger in winning battles. So the double edges of Made, the, made it ideal for, for the cut and thrust strategy, okay? So it was very effective. And so Paul saw that, and he, and, he, and he made the comparison. He said, this is what the Word of God does. The Word of God does the cutting, you know what I mean? He said the Spirit makes the Word of God effective as we speak it, as we receive it, amen? The Spirit is the one who gives the Word its penetrating sharp edge so when Jesus was tempted he declared it is written right he went right to the word he said it is written and he and, and, and defeating the devil by using God's word so I like when I see that I'm like man Jesus was swinging away swing battle right and so and just like Jesus did when when he was tempted in the wilderness we must do the same thing we must defeat the enemy with bible study right when we study God's word we carry that word in us And when the the enemy tries to tempt us, we go back to the Word. Not to mention that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He reminds us. He reminds us of what we read. Amen? He brings those verses to mind to combat whatever it is, whatever the attack that the enemy's doing. Amen? So that allows us also to swing. Amen? Someone say swing better because that's what we're doing. We're swinging away. Praise God. Verse 18, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now this verse right here, I mean, he's not naming it as another weapon. Okay, but it does continue the same thought from the previous verse, from verse 17. As we take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, we must also pray at all times. Amen? We must pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Praying in the Spirit means that that that, that the Spirit helps us when we pray, right? The Spirit prays on our behalf. Amen? The Spirit makes God accessible. The Spirit gives us confidence when we pray. He, he, he inspires us. And, and He guides us when we pray, amen? He helps us communicate with God and also brings God's response to us, amen? How many of us have ever seen or watched a, 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 a war movie or maybe a war documentary, right? We, we see scenes, you know, where maybe a company or a platoon or a squad is surrounded by enemy fire and it doesn't look good. It doesn't look that they're going to make it and they're going to survive the attack. But then something happens, right? something comes that that that's that's that's, that's, uh, that's you know, like the most important person that i believe to be on the on the battlefield besides the medic and that's the communications guy you know the guy that wears the the radio on his backpack that guy holding that radio on his backpack you need a communications guy in the field okay when with, 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 with whatever maneuver that you take why because when you're surrounded by enemy fire when i'm surrounded by enemy fire That communication guy, okay, he radios in the coordinates of your position in order to send backup, right? In order to send the air backup and eliminate the attack. That's what prayer does. That communication guy is prayer. So when we're in the spiritual battle, when we're surrounded by enemy fire, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God hears the coordinates and he sends us the air support that we need for victory. When we come together like on Tuesday nights and we're and we're uh, 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 praying to the Lord on people's behalf, guess what? We're giving God the coordinates, right? We're giving God the coordinates for Him to send send the help, send the victory, send the miracle, Lord. Amen? That's why Paul says, man, pray for yourselves and pray for one another. Why? Because it's all about coordinates. We're giving God coordinates of where to send the miracle, where to send the victory amen the support amen that's prayer so let's not forget about prayer let's not forget to always pray not only just for ourselves but to pray for one another amen there's power and prayer hallelujah verse 19 it says pray also for me that whenever i speak words whenever i speak words may may be given uh, me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Who, wow. For, okay, and this is, for which I am, verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Man, this is powerful. I love how Paul uh, requests prayer for himself, right? Not to be rescued from the battle, but to receive boldness for the battle. You see, there's too many of us men that are crying to be taken out of the battle okay? We shouldn't be doing that when we've been given the armor for the battle, right? Church, it's time for us to put on the full armor of God. It's time for us to take our positions where the Lord has placed us, amen? It's time to stand up. It's time to to, to fight, amen? Victory is found in the battle. Growth is found in the battle, okay? We're all in this together, church. You're not alone, amen? Let's stand up and fight. There was a man, and you probably know him. His name was Thomas Anderson, okay? He was just an ordinary computer programmer, an occasional computer hacker. He was just an ordinary man, but one day he got exposed to another realm. While working on his computer, he discovered that there was a reality beyond that which he was accustomed to. It was called the Matrix. He got transported into another realm where he met another man named Morpheus. He discovered things that were that were not as they appear. He discovered that in this realm, it was the computers who called all the shots. He had settled for an ordinary life, okay, to sit down all day and punch numbers in a computer until he discovered that there was something bigger going on. He was then invited to participate in something much bigger than he was aware of. So when he decided to participate, it became clear That he was the one. He was the chosen one whose job it was to save humanity from the takeover of the computers in the realm of the matrix. All of a sudden, this ordinary life became an extraordinary life. Are you following me? He received a new name. He would be called Neo. Now, in this new realm, he could do things that he he couldn't do previously. In this new realm, he possessed abilities that he didn't have before. In this new realm, he had a new love. His relationship with Trinity became his dominating relationship as they as they uh, 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 worked together as they part, worked in partnership, right? to keep the computers from overthrowing humanity. He discovered that life had something much bigger to offer him than his previous existence of sitting at a computer punching away. When Jesus Christ saved you, when Jesus Christ saved me, okay? He invited us to partner in a new realm with Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? In order to keep the agents of evil from dominating or taking over humanity. We have been called to something bigger, church. If we don't experience that new realm, if we are satisfied with with being a Thomas, when we were made to be a Neo, we will not experience all that we were designed to, to experience. Okay, so now Nino had to make a choice. Okay, he had to make a choice as to where he wanted to live. And he had to choose between two pills. One pill would take him to a new realm. And the other pill would send him back to his ordinary life. And he took the pill that would make his life no longer the same ordinary existence. After choosing that pill of the new realm, he no longer got up every day to the same old life. Okay? He got up and entered the matrix. The question is, which pill will we choose, church? Will we be satisfied with an ordinary living? Or will we choose an existence that takes us into a new realm, into the spiritual realm? Amen? Are you ready to fight, church? Are you ready? Because it's time for us to get suited and booted. Amen. It's time for us to quit playing around and get suited and booted and mount up. Let's go. It's time to put on the full armor of God, church. Because every day we enter into a new spiritual battle. Every day. And you know what? It's not bad. It's awesome. Why? Because even though we enter into a new battle, every day is a new victory. Amen? It's a new victory, church. Are we excited about that, church? I know I am. Amen? I'm excited about about being able to win the victory because I know that I got Jesus on my side. Amen. How about you? Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the Bible lesson you've given us today, Lord. We're thankful, Lord God, that uh, that you are the one, Heavenly Father, that is in control of all things, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord God, that you have blessed our relationships, Lord God, the relationship between husband and wife, between parent and child between master and slave, Lord God, between employer and employee, Father. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are the one that watches all of us, Lord God. And we ask, Father, for strength, Lord, to be able to to, uh, uh, live each day, Father, knowing, Lord God, that you are watching us, Lord. May we always give you our best, Heavenly Father, because we know, Lord God, that we have your grace, Heavenly Father, that is sufficient for us, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, each day, Father, that as we, as we live out, Father, our days here on this earth, Lord God, that we not be afraid to enter into the battle, Lord God, but that we, Father, pick up the armor that you've given us, Lord, to be able to fight, Lord God, and to be able to get that victory, Father, because we have victory, Lord. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory, Lord God, from victory at the cross, Father. So thank you, Father, for this lesson that you've given us. I pray a blessing, Father, for all those, Lord God, that were able to connect with us, Lord God. And I pray that you be with them, strengthen them, comfort them, give them joy, Father, in Jesus' name, Father. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, once again. Let your name be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And let all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. I hope that this lesson was a blessing to you as it was to me. And I pray a blessing over each and every one of you. God bless you. Have an awesome night. Bye-bye.